The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Deep hockey. Deep in the heart of hockey. You did <laughs> No, we're just not on time. We just can't time each other. I don't know. All I had to do was sing this song, and then you were supposed to clap. I did clap. I know, but you clapped so late. I didn't <laughs> clap so late. I clapped when you finished singing. I feel like there's a delay here in everything that's happening. <sighs> Maybe I feel we like should you're just... just trying to blame your personal counseling problems <laughs> on the between us. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to copy and paste it from, like, another episode. I'm just gonna, like, copy little bits and, <laughs> like, super choppy. <laughs> you know, we could just try to come up with some sort of intro theme song thing. Yeah, something like that. And then we wouldn't have to worry about you could just copy and paste that at the beginning of every single episode. Yeah, I guess. But I feel like then and we would lose... Called both. Huh? I feel like we would lose some of our charm if we did that. I mean, it depends on how slick and polished it is. I'm not saying it has to be, like, professional. I'm <laughs> saying we could get my eight-year-old nephew to sing it, and it would still be funny. That would be funny. Well, this is deep in the heart of hockey. Actually, it's funnier than two-year-old nephew. Oh, right! Yeah, we still need to... Yeah, we're deep in the heart of hockey. We're a podcast about the Dallas Stars, fancy shena- fancy stats, and general shenanigans. It is August 31st, and this is our 57th podcast. 57th podcast! I, uh... I, <laughs> I forgot that we were actually recording a podcast and not just talking on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, well, because, I mean, the other thing is, like, there's, I mean, maybe a lot has been going on in my life, and I know, like, your big thing is, like, you got new, super sweet, cheap tires, but, like, there's nothing going on in hockey. Yeah, very little. Like, and so maybe, I mean, it was the perfect time, I guess, to start my new job, because then I can just, like, not pay attention to anything and, like, nothing has happened, even when I wasn't looking. Yeah. How's that been going? That's going really well. Um, I really like my new company. It's really cool. The product is super cool. And, uh... Is still need to... Hmm? I'm getting some for my nephew at this point. Yeah, yeah. Definitely hit me up about it. I said I still need to talk to you about getting some for my nephew. Yeah. So that's going really, really well. I, so, you know, I'm very comfortable on Twitter, obviously. But, like, today I got, like, the corporate logins for our official social media. And, like, this is one of my big pushes is, like, to revamp our social media strategy. Today I had to, like, DM a bunch of people I didn't know to be like, hey, can we post your tweet on our website? And, like, that's just awkward. Like, that is some of the more awkward, like, not even conversations, but, like, super anxiety-inducing like, things I've ever done that just slide into people's DMs. It's weird. Hmm. Well, that's cool. Yeah, uh, DMing is weird anyway. Um, so, yes, let's talk about hockey, perhaps, maybe? Question mark? Uh, <laughs> hella question mark, because what the hell is there even to talk about? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, hmm. The stars of practice, Ben Bishop is in Dallas. I saw a picture of him. So. Yeah. 
that's exciting. You know who else is in Dallas? Who? Fucking Fiddler is in Dallas. No. Yes. Uh, apparently, I looked it up. He is apparently in UFA right now. Nobody can find him. Um, and uh, he was in Stars Gear, like Stars Coaching Gear, not Stars, <gasps> like playing gear. Stars Coaching Gear. He was wearing the fucking windbreaker and everything. I want it. I want it to happen. I know! Me too! I got really excited. Um, um, and then I had to field a couple of questions about whether or not he's retiring and now going to be coaching. I was like, uh, let's not get our hopes up. <laughs> let's all let's all keep a, a relative amount of calm about this situation because I do not know. Mm-hmm. Well, that was good and topical. Way to bring up something useful on the podcast. Hey, man, I'm just here to be helpful and sometimes make some jokes. Lainey is, like, super sniffing the microphone, so if we have feedback, that's why. It's a cat. It's not me this time. Um, It is PTO season. I guess there's that, too. Um... Nobody, nobody's got a PTO on the stars, though. I mean, I don't think the stars have offered anybody a PTO. They've offered one, and they offered it, like, right after UFA season was over, which was the weirdest part about it. So, R.J. Oh, Umberger. I don't remember it then. Yeah, it was, like, in July. Uh, so, R.J. Umberger is, was signed to a PTO, um, so he'll be there for tryouts, for training camp as well. Okay. Um... I'm not a big fan of the move. I have a feeling it was made because... Oh, I remember us talking about this when it actually happened. Yeah. Because I have a feeling it was made because Ken Hitchcock liked him, because he played for the Blues for a bit. Right. And he's just one of those, like, fourth-line defensive specialists or whatever the fuck. He's not actually... whatever. Yeah. Like, so... Semi-topical. So I was I wrote a article last night, got published today for FanRag, and it was kind of my like whole philosophy on coaching and defense. And the idea is really, and I've said this on Twitter several times, that offense is like a liquid, right? Like it tries to like flow into gaps, it'll spread wherever you let it. You know, it's kinda it's more driven by an individual. And that's one of the reasons that advanced stats have had greater success quantifying talent from an offensive perspective. Um, and not just via points, but like through shot shares, passing, stuff like that. Like it's a lot easier to quantify talent mm-hmm. offensively. But defense, good team defense, requires good defensive coaching and requires structure and tactics. And that's why even guys who are actually defensively talented, like Eric Carlson, get skewered sometimes on teams that don't have a defensive structure. And so, like, if you think about the Ottawa Senators, not this past season, but the season before last, they were a goddamn mess defensively. And... Carlson lost the Norris because he was basically told that he didn't have good defensive instincts when that wasn't true at all. What was true right. is that this they had no structure. And without him, this, the Sens were even worse defensively. You know? And so the idea was really that 
a coach is the one responsible for defensive tactics, and this is why advanced stats has a very hard time quantifying defensive talent as opposed to offensive talent. Like, most advanced stats that attempt to, like, predict defensive shares get very, very low correlations and very low repeatability because it's just, it's so much more dependent on outside influence. Okay. And that's why when I hate these things, like, well, he's such a good role defensive player. And I'm like, no, he probably really isn't. (laughs) I am here to tell you that what you are saying is actually bullshit. (laughs) That's what I do as an analyst. (laughs) But I will say it with numbers so that you will believe me. But they don't believe you anyway. No, because they're stupid. (laughs) Thank you for your faith. I probably shouldn't have said that out loud or people (laughs) hear me. But it's true. We all know it. I mean, but if you think about it, here's one PTO that I thought was kind of hilarious. Uh, Tanner Glass got a PTO from the Calgary Flames. I'm sorry, that's just kind of adorable because Tanner Glass is terrible. (laughs) But Tanner Glass, uh, Tanner Glass, a hockey player, is terrible. But Tanner Glass, the dude, is super sweet and adorable, and a really, really good dad. I don't know, I don't have any defenses where I just really like looking at pictures of him. This is how I feel about Brandon Bullock. Brandon Bullock has an actual fucking NHL contract, right? And And a fiancé! And a fiancé! We're super happy for Brandon Bullock right now. Well, I am. You're probably a little devastated that... I'm, you know, grinning through the pain. Um, because <laughs> I had such a shot. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, so Brandon Bolig has an actual NHL contract. Like, as much as I love the man, and as much as he actually did have the one good season, it was a, there was a confluence of events that helped him get that one good season. And, yeah. uh, he's not a particularly great hockey player, but he's going to be playing probably in the NHL. And you know who doesn't have an NHL contract right now? Or Are a fiance. Are you segueing into Yager? Yes, I am segging into Yager. He also does not have a fiance. So, like, Brandon Bolig is, like, two steps up on Yarmir Yager. Though, Yager could have a fiance if he wanted. Let's be real. Who wouldn't? I mean, Yager has a couple other things going for him that Brandon <laughs> Bolig doesn't as well. <laughs> well, that's my point. I mean, he is such a better hockey player, and yet he's the one sitting here... In almost September, it'll certainly be September by the time this gets posted, without a contract. I mean, yes. Well, I, I completely agree with you, 100%. Uh, Yager is also, what, 43 now? Five. 45. 45 now? Yeah. For once, we actually, you guys guess younger than a player actually is. I mean, I... You know what? When I started watching hockey, <laughs> I think um, I think I just added like a couple of years onto what the age he was when he when he, when he started playing. So <laughs> I think that's what I just did. Um, yeah, yeah, he was born in 1972. You know who else was born in 1972? My other best friend. So if Yager actually is not able to get a contract, she's going to be really sad because that means that she will literally be older than every NHL player. 
Oh, no. I know. She's not looking forward to this. I'm Obviously. So my little sister came and visited this past weekend. And for those who don't know, my little sister is is nine years younger than I am. So she's my little sister, but she's not, like, actually, like, little, little. But she's nine years younger, and she took, she did five years in, in college to get her bachelor's. And so she's, like, in her first year of her first real job. And she's talking about it and, like, stuff like this, and it's just, like really watching, like, a miniature version of myself and their, my very first job type thing and, like, trying to navigate all of that. And it's just like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> but I was a bit scandalized. She gets seven days of paid vacation. And what, so what's her job? She, she's um, an account, a junior account exec, account manager. Okay. Like, she gets, so, in her first year, she gets seven days of pay vacation? Yeah. My first job, I got a normal two weeks, like, ten days, basically. Ten business days. But, I mean, it didn't, it didn't go up for a while. So, when I, so, my first job is, I think I've talked about it here before, I actually worked for a used bookstore, and, um, we didn't get anything, like, right off the bat. We had to earn it, but... Um, our time off was really generous, and it's because they didn't pay us very much. <laughs> so, um, we would get, we had three buckets for time off, and one was, um, vacation time, and we got 12 days a year, and then for each year that you worked there, you got an added day. So, by the time you hit 10 years, you had 10 extra days on top of the 12 that you already had. Um, then you also got... Um, sick time, which was also accumulated at uh, a month, a, a day a month. So at the end of the year, you would have 12 sick days if you didn't use them. And all of this carried over to the next year. Oh, wow. That's so very generous. I, by the time I quit there, I got a $900 payout for all the vacation that I had not used. Wow. Nicely yeah. done. So, but isn't seven days a little, like, I was like, seven days? That's, like, and I guess I think she only gets, like, similar amounts of sick time, too. And I'm like, that's really skimpy. It's written, so when I started, when I started the job I'm currently in, for the first, for the first year that you work here, you get five days. And that's sick time and vacation time. Oh, wow. For the first year, yeah. So, and the first 90 days, you don't get anything. America. But, yeah, I know. But we also got, I mean, like, we do get, we do get, like, bank holidays at this job, which was, you know, not, not anything we ever got at my old job. Yeah, in retail? Weird. Retail. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> do you know the first time I worked at this office job that I'm in now, um, and Christmas rolled around, I was like, oh, wait, can I take off extra days at Christmas? And my boss was like, why wouldn't you be able to take off extra days at Christmas? And I was like, um, because the last 10 years I've had after Christmas sales, and he was like, oh, yeah, no, you can take off for Christmas. And I was just like, so now every single year I take off, like, the entire fucking Christmas week. I'm like, nope, peace out, y'all, that's for family. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited, because you're going to be in Colorado. Yeah! I really hope that the, the weather permits us to actually hang out, because... 
from what I've heard, where we're staying is at like the top of the mountain, the Vestas Park, and it's apparently hard to get to. Well, if it's snowing, I hope so too. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna I knock am on a. Feeling very much like the post office at this point in time. I'm like, come snow, come rain, come dark of night. <laughs> we will hang out together. <laughs> we'll we'll have to record an in person podcast. Oh my god! Even if it's really quick, because I like. I think we also talked about going to see a game. Yeah, we talked about doing so much. <laughs> We've talked about doing so much. And, like, I'm there with my family, so it's kind of like, I can't take off every single night and just be like, no, I'm seeing Carolyn, bye! <laughs> and I'll also have my friend Tess there because I'm forcing her to come with me on vacation because I don't want to be the only one there without a special friend. Because <laughs> <laughs> all of my siblings are bringing their significant others. Yeah, that would be awk. It's, it's rough being the only unmarried. <laughs> the only unmarried one in my family, but you know, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I feel like you're coping admirably. Oh, yeah, well, it helps that I don't want to be married. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. It helps that I'm like, oh, God, I'm sharing a bed. No. Ugh. <laughs> Sounds awful. I know, I'm like, oh, I'm so crowded with two cats in here. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, not that I let my cats in my room when I sleep, but, um, yeah. They're so meany. It's so crazy pants. So, you know... That was a long aside where we did not talk about hockey. Well, I was gonna... I was... I had a brilliant seg lined up. Oh, no! I'm so sorry! It's okay. You know who does get to take off every night now? No, because presumably by its Christmas, oh, he will known. be in the NHL. Yeah. So I think that's like the only really big hockey news that's come out this week is that Shane Doan announced he was going to retire, um, which is not particularly surprising um, after he got basically cut from the Coyotes. Uh, after being their captain for what something like what nineteen years something like that I don't know um, a I don't know. billion I'm, years okay at least whatever it's been a long time <laughs> for all of the years Shane Doan was captain so many years so many years since before I even cared about sports well before I cared about sports yes and yes. Uh, so his his retirement uh, you know I don't. I don't really have any feelings about it whatsoever. Like, there's so many people who are like, oh, he's such a classy guy, he's such a classy guy, but I'm just like... You know what? There, there's the people that are like, he's such a classy guy, interspersed among the people that are like, yeah, he's got really classy elbows. So it's kind of like, mm, how classy is he really? Right? That, that's the I, one thing that I'm like... I do understand that he is very beloved of Coyotes fans. And I am not trying to piss all over their hopes and dreams and, you know, good feelings and all that kind of stuff. Lord knows I hate when people do it to the stars. But, like, is it really just that he is the, you know, beloved favorite son that is now retiring and let's celebrate him? Or is it really like, no, he is one of the best players in the entire world and we need to give him all due credit and adulation for being such an amazing player? Right. I'm pretty sure it's the first. Not yeah, the first. exactly. So, I mean, there's just nothing going on. 
I mean, not in the hockey world, but shit sure has been going down in Texas. God. Now that was an excellent seg right there. Well done, Marin. Well done. You are welcome. <laughs> so, because we do have a not large listener base, but enough of a listener base to make a difference, uh, we did want to talk a little bit about Hurricane Harvey. And as a person who recently moved from Texas, it's been a really weird sensation to see what's going on, and I'm sure, Marin, you have family in Houston. I do. My sister lives just, she doesn't actually live in Houston proper, she just lives just north of Houston, but she is right next to, um, I, oh god, I've already forgotten the name of it, but I think it's Cypress Creek. Okay, yeah. She lives next to a creek. Um, one of the creeks that was flooding, and one of the creeks that received extra flooding when they started letting off water from the levees. Um, and she, so on Friday, she and her family, she's got a husband and two children. Um, they packed up and actually went to California and that trip to California had been planned for months because it's one of her best friend's birthdays and they'd been planning to go out there. So she hasn't actually been home this whole time. Oh, Um, thank God. She does have a dog. Um, she did not leave the dog at the house. She actually boarded the dog. So, um... The dog is at a facility where the people, you know, saw what was coming and decided that rather than leaving animals there by themselves, they were actually going to stay on site. Um, so the dog has been fine this whole time. Um, they were trapped at some point by water around them, but never took on water themselves. Oh, thank God. Facility. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they were sending her regular pictures of, of Scout the Snow, so we all know that Scout is fine. Um, <coughs> My sister has not actually seen her house. Um, the neighborhood was evacuated, I think, on Sunday. And it was reported to her on... What did I tweet that? Was it Monday or Tuesday? I don't remember. It was Monday or Tuesday. She told us that she had been told that there was water in her house. Um, and so I tweeted it out that, like, yep, it's confirmed there's water in her house, except that she heard yesterday that those reports were exaggerated, that there was water creeping up her backyard, but it never actually made it to the house. So nobody's been incited to actually confirm that. And like I said, her neighbors were actually, like, not there for part of this. So I don't know if that's, like, I, I still don't know if that's 100% true that there was never actually water in her house, but there isn't now. It's not standing in it like it is in a lot of homes. That's so good. That's really lucky. She's, yeah, she's really, really, really lucky. Um, that like the where where she where she lives, she's far enough away from the creek that a lot of houses in between her and the creek did get flooded. Um, so it's not like her entire neighborhood was unscathed. Um, it's just that she was far enough away and up on high enough ground that it didn't affect her as much. Yeah, it's so. it's been really scary. Like, I mean, both of us have a ton of friends in Houston. Yeah, um, yeah, because then, then I think about our, you know, our mutual friend, Nami, who ended up having to, like, today she worked on ripping the carpet out of her, out of her house because she did take on water in her house while yeah. she was upstairs with all of her animals, so. And possibly the scariest part of this entire, her entire story is she had to go fumigate her car yeah. Because the fire ants that were floating in those large masses, like, Got found her, her car. car and, like, 
used it to hide out from all the water, and so she, her car was had was full of fire ants. Like God. that, yeah. like those are things you just don't think about when you think about no. flooding. Like, and like, like, I mean, I know that we, I know that a lot of people have talked about this, but it's just something that I, I really started thinking about when it was affecting or potentially affecting my family. Is that like? Once the water recedes, like that's not the end of it. Now the rain has stopped. That's not the end of it. Like Texas and Houston and like the surrounding areas, you know, Dickinson and and Port Arthur and all of those places, they're going to be recovering from this for years. Like if you think about the sheer number of people that are going to need contractors to come into their house and fix their houses, if you think about like the fact that USA Today was reporting that. Up to eighty percent of the people that are affected by this don't have flood insurance. And, and like, yeah, and to make matters worse, there was a chemical plant explosion. Yeah. Not too far from Houston in a town called I think it was I think it's called Crosby. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And that can contaminate any floodwaters around. Like. And I mean, there's so. Uh, I know that they're they're busing some kids, not busing, but they've evacuated a lot of kids up to Dallas. To, they're one of the I can't remember if it was like the mayor of Dallas or somebody who had, had put out this notice that like they were you know welcoming all these students that were coming to school up there because their schools weren't able to open and you know asking people to bring in school supplies and stuff like that. Um, and you know I know we're getting some in, in Austin ISD too. Um, and just like, you know, one of our uh, a different mutual friends shared a picture of her high school, which had like four feet of standing water in it, you know? Like, how are they going to open this year in these schools? Like, just don't even know. Because you've got to think that, like, there's only so many contractors to go around, even if people are able to afford to fix their own. So, you know, you've got to get on this massive waiting list to even get somebody out to even start working on your house. Yeah. Where are all these people going to stay in the meantime? I mean, and again, if you don't have flood insurance and you are living paycheck to paycheck, like, what the crap are you going to do? I don't know. I just don't know. And so many people just don't quite understand. I mean, a lot of people don't understand the scale of Houston. It's, and I feel like there were some really good, good tweets out there showing it, but Houston is the fourth largest city in the U.S., like, my, my sister lives an hour and a half away from my sister-in-law, and they are, uh, well, she's not really my sister-in-law, I guess. She's my sister-in-law's sister, so she'll make sure no relation to me. But they live about an hour away. One lives in Acadia and one lives in Spring. And they're both Houston suburbs. Like, they're both above Houston. And they both have water, have water in their houses. Or at least my, with my sister close to her house. So, like... You know, that Houston is huge. I think it's absolutely enormous. I mean, like, it basically goes all the way down to fucking Galveston because Nami is also from Houston in League City, which is basically Galveston. Yeah, it's like 30 minutes from Galveston proper. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's enormous. And the fact that it had, like, Harvey just sat on top of it for the entire weekend, basically. Mm -hmm. It's it's going to be devastating. Forever. Not forever, but for a very long time. For a very, very long time. And I think, so, a lot of people are doing a really good job of, like, spreading the word of, like, 
you know, trying to encourage donations. Uh, Shea Serrano did a donation thread this afternoon. Um, Bless that man forever. He made me cry on the regular over the weekend with his, like, retweeting all these people trying to get rescued from their houses and, like, hey, if y'all have a boat, like, and then retweeting people who got rescued. I was just, like, he just gives me so much hope for humanity. Like, Shay, I love you so much. He's a good man. He is a good, he is a good, like, hashtag good human. Like, holy yep. crap, I love him so much. Um, Well, but I, I was going to point out that if you're interested in donating, Defending Big D had a really great article on local Houston-based charities that you should give money to, Um, because organizations like the Red Cross, because they are an international, basically international organization, the money just basically goes into a big pool, and there's no guarantee that Houston will actually ever see any of it, depending on what their other things going on in the Red Cross land is. I will say, so, um, I, uh, there is a lot of reason to be cautious in donating to the Red Cross, but, uh, I, I will just give credit where credit is due. Um, Josh Lyle, who used to run Defending Big D, um, has a shelter, like a, a shelter that's being run near him. He did not have any issues. He was trapped in his apartment, but he didn't have water in his place or anything like that. Um, but near him, a lot of people did. And so the Red Cross is actually running the shelter that's near him that he went, that he's gone and, and volunteered at. So they are doing some things, but the, the, the biggest complaint that a lot of people have about them is that they get so much money and so little of it is actually spent in these places that, that you know. Because how much money does it take to run that one shelter that he knows of? And like how versus how much money they're getting because of they're so visible, you right? Know? Right. So I that I I I just I just wanted to throw that out there that they are doing some things, but there are still better places that you can donate your money. Yeah, if you're if you're concerned about the instant impact of it, right? If that's that's your main concern, then like I said, um, defending Big D has a great list of local charities. Um, Houston Food Bank really could use a lot <laughs> of help. And um, also, can I shout out our favorite grocery store again? Oh my god, I know! Uh, I honestly watched a couple of their videos like that they were posting on Twitter where they were interviewing those two people that were driving around. I like cried. I bawled during some of that. I was just like, H-E-B... I just love you so much. What other grocery store do you know that has a disaster relief semi ready to go? I mean, um, somebody somebody on Twitter called it the Texans helping Texans press section of HEB. I was just like, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh no, I'm that's good. I'm really going to cry right now. That's good. I'm tearing up. I'm tearing up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yes. Uh, and I think actually a lot of the places that are mentioned in um, uh, the Defending Big D article are also mentioned on the Texas Monthly article. Um, there was a Texas Monthly article that, that talked about ways that you can help, and um, the uh, Austin Pets Live is one that is not on um, 
the defending Big D article, but Austin Petzlaib is doing a lot uh, to uh, volunteer to shelter and foster animals. They're taking in a lot of the abandoned animals that were rescued during Harvey, abandoned or just lost for various reasons. I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna throw shade on anybody for trying to save themselves during a hurricane, but. Um, Austin Petzlaib is doing a lot of stuff to, to help out too so that's one that was not listed on the Defending Big B yeah and we'll post links um, when we post the podcast too so you can check out those lists and yeah for sure because there are a lot of good places that you can donate kind of want to cry but I'm not going to cry I'm going to ask you a question it's time for okay. reader questions Oh, God, it's time for your questions. Okay, go. Uh, Andrew L.A. asks, Thoughts on the depth signings the Stars made? I know you don't like them as much as Shorlax and J.D., but how good can they be on their own? Who are Shorlax and J.D.? Well, you know who Shorlax is. He looks like a Pokemon. Devin Shore! Oh, my God! I was like, what? I was like, (laughs) And I'm pretty sure JD is uh, Jason Dickinson. Oh, who are the death signings we've made? Well, frankly, I don't remember because nothing has <laughs> happened. No, I, there's one I can I can specifically say that I'm kind of interested in seeing what he's made of. Um. Well, okay, so there's Brian Flynn, who I don't know who the hell that is. No, I don't know who that is either. Um, uh, so I'm going to say lukewarm. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, no, the one I'm interested in seeing what he's made of is Tyler Pitlick. Um, they signed him for three years off the bat. He's only 25. Oh, oh he's a former, um, he's a former Oiler. Yeah, and his main thing is that he was injured for a good part of last season, but while he wasn't injured, he put up some really good numbers. Yeah, no, I have, I have, I have very fond memories of Tyler Pitlick on the Oilers. Um, I forgot that we signed him. Um, he's got a face like Cam Atkinson in that he looks like he's actually a five-year-old, like, (laughs) but hockey player size. Like, he just looks like one of those kids that's like, you know, you know, just, just this terrible little face while they're, you know, fucking your shit up. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he's got dimples, Carolyn, okay? There are oh, dimples. no. I oh, no. Know. I know. Yes. So, um, yeah, I uh, I feel good about Pitlick because I have seen him play before and hopefully he bounces back from injury because he's good. He's a good little player. Um, so I think well, I that little, he is six two and two hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> that little player, he's so great. <laughs> I am actually, I'm really interested. I think one of the main things they did a really good job of this year, though, was restock the AHL team. Yeah, well, they needed to. Right. Well, I mean, okay, they saw a need and they addressed it, and I, so I'm really curious about that. Um, apparently, so, um, Gavin Bayreuther, who came on at the very end of last season, um, they signed his 
one of the players he played with, I think he's a, a center or something like that, but another young guy from the same college, um, they, okay. they signed, um, or rather John Nyberg, who played on Frolunda, um, where Klingberg came from, had a pretty good season last year. Like, I mean, nothing like outrageous, right? But a pretty mm-hmm. decent season, especially considering he was always considered more of a low tier prospect type thing. Um, a friend of mine who works, you know, or follows SHL really closely was like, actually, this guy's really improved this year. Like, it's pretty impressive how different his game is. And so apparently he's been over, and he came over, for, I think, for the prospect camp, that the one they hold in, in July, and mm-hmm. was pretty impressive during that. So I think he'll be here for training camp, and we'll see if he makes, like, if they want him in the AHL or if they want him, you know to go back to the SHL for another year. But so I'm really interested to see some of the, the AHL moves happen. And I think that's going to be a really exciting season for the Texas stars. Um, because they do finally have depth again. Wow. That can only mean good things for that season. Yes. And they deserve <laughs> it. Cause last year was a mess and a half. Holy crap. Last year was so painful. <laughs> Uh, every time I went, I felt like we got blown out nine to zero. <laughs> God, I, no, I know. I'm never gonna forget that game. Oh, that was so bad. I forgot that you and I, were, yeah, you and I were there. We were like Bronx cheering by the end of it. Like, yeah, you made a save. <laughs> That's so unusual in this game. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. Yeah, it was painful. It was a real, it was a real painful. Um. So. I'll tell you what, I will go ahead and ask you these first three questions, because then you've got three in a row for me. Sound good? That's fine. Plus, I think you'll have the best answer for this one anyway. <laughs> uh, Meep asks, now that the beard and beauty quotient for the stars has gone down, crying face, crying face, who do you think will pick up the slack? Listen, this is a really rude question, <laughs> and I do not appreciate it. Um, I need to look at her roster. How is, how is Ben Bishop's beard game? Do we know? I feel like it's okay. But he's no Patrick Eves. No. No, I mean, honestly, I don't think, well, Alexander Radulov has quite the sporty face. Ooh, he could be our pirate lord. I, if he's, he's already missing feet, so I think he's, he's already, already the pirate, pirate lord. There you go. That's our um, candidate for beard, I think. Yeah, I, I, I mean, mean he, he would, would he would have, have to start, start growing it out beyond what he normally does. We're just we're not. I don't think we're gonna have another another Patrick Eves or another Jordy Ben again with their beards. Like, there's just nobody really qualified. And would we want to replace, would we really want to try and replace that? Shouldn't we just let that, that stand in its own glory for what it was? I don't really like using the word replace anyway, because that indicates that there's a a possibility that anybody could ever live up to the glory that was Patrick Eves or Jordy Ben. And I think that you and I both know that that's just not possible, and it will never happen. So... Let's let's stop using the word replace. Let's start using the word maybe memorialize. And <laughs> I feel 
feel like Alexander Agelov can grow a good memorial beard. I think I think that's the answer. And I I feel like we should start some sort of Alexander Radulov Pirate King beard type. Alexander Radulov. <laughs> Beards are growing on your face for you. <laughs> Don't shave it right now. Together we can get this. Long. I don't know where I was going with that. Started <laughs> going weird. It, as things usually do on this podcast. Speaking of Radulov, Big Willie Style asks, if, if, heaven forbid, Radulov doesn't gel with Ben and Sagan, does he fit anywhere else in the lineup? Um, I don't really, honestly, I just don't see a world in which he doesn't gel well with Ben and Sagan. But if he doesn't, I mean, he seems to be a versatile player. So, I mean, they really, well, Lindy Ruff really likes playing sets out there with Ben and Fagan. Or, I mean, like, our whole roster has, has been very used to the Ruffle Shuffle. So, I don't know what um, Hitchcock's plans are as far as shuffling, because I just never really watched the Blues that closely to know whether or not their lines did get ruffled. But, um, I mean... I think all of our people are pretty versatile at this point. They're used to getting shuffled around, so <laughs> right. I honestly can't see that it would be a problem of him fitting somewhere else. I don't think that it's like a um, an Alatensky case where like he really only fits well with one particular line. You know what I mean? Yeah. I he could seems definitely... more like a Patrick Eves to me, where he's just going to fit well, like do well anywhere. Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like he'd be fine with Martin Hansel too. Like if they switched mm-hmm. Jason Spezza, like you said, and put him up there, and put Radulov on the on the second line, I feel like yeah. that could work because he's a playmaker, and as long as he's got somebody else on the other side of Hansel, which is the kind of the indeterminate spot right now, right. Um, Hansel's kind of a get to the net guy. So as long as you've got a guy at the net and a guy, you know, making things happen, you're probably going to do okay. Yeah, yeah. So I. I, I think it's, I think it's going to be fine. He's going to fit in somewhere on the top two lines. Yeah. But. I'm pretty confident in that. I am too. I am too. Okay. How do you want to do this next one? Do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? Did you watch this game? I didn't watch this game, but I feel oh. like I kind of have a question that we can reason through the answer. Well, I watched three-on-one game on the Instagram, the Dallas Stars Instagram. Why don't we ask the question, and then we can answer the question. Okay, go. Uh, Jen asks, watch the Sagan three-on-one game. How many points would he score with you two in goal? Okay, Okay, so so my my first question, question, I think, is, are the two of us in goal together? That was my question! Because Because if the two of us are in goal together... I think we stand something of a better chance. Right? I mean... Because we are at least plugging up a shit ton of the goal. We're not small people. No, I'm not a small person at all. And yeah, I do have shitty knees. But if I'm going, like, two-on-one against Tyler Sagan, I'm going to suck up my knee pain, and I'm going to plug a hole. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) 
Welcome. <laughs> it's getting weird. <laughs> when is it not? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still I'm think. I still think even with, with both of us, at some point, he's going to be, like, five points. Oh, fuck yeah, no. Because he's always going to go, he's going to start going top shelf, where I'm just like, arm, what do I do with arm? <laughs> like, there's only so much room our heads can fill, you know? Like, yeah, our shoulders will be taken care of a lot, but we're not as tall as the goal from our knees. Right. So, um, no, he's going to, he's just going to go top shelf a lot, and we're going to fall over, and it's going to be sad. So, I mean, he's still scoring, like, five or six goals on this pretty handily, but, like... It won't be ten. I don't think it'd be ten. I don't think it would be ten. And that it would also, it would also depend on how long this game lasted. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> like, if this is a full 60-minute game, I'm going well into the hundreds. <laughs> if this is just, like, that game was, like, it's a nice, like, you know, ten-minute game, whatever, nah, like, we're, we're good. We can hold him to five, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Between five and ten. That's the range. You know what the sad part was about that game, by the way? Like, so he was playing three-on-one against, um, and it was actually four-on-one because he was playing it against the bad radio guys. Oh! So there, were the, there were the three of them skating, and then they actually had a goaltender in goal for them. But it was like a, a teenager, like a, this, I, I can't remember her name, but like, she was she was pretty badass. I mean, she saved a couple of taken <laughs> shots. So, you know, I also don't think he was going very hard on her. But um, on the other end of the ice, there was no one. Oh, so the bad radio guys were shooting into an empty net, and the score was still like seven two. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. And that's why possession-based hockey is important. <laughs> right? That's why you measure possession. They can't score if they don't have the puck. <laughs> they never have the puck, unless you're playing the Dallas Stars. <laughs> God. Let's not bring um, that up. We're leaning towards a new season with better things. We're not going to score on ourselves again. A new day with no mistakes in it yet. With no mistakes in it yet. <laughs> As uh, Marilla Cuthbert used to tell Anne Shirley. So, um, I guess I'll ask the second part of Jen's question. Uh, how do you think the CWHL in China will go? I have no goddamn clue. I'm just like so... <laughs> so glad you asked this question. No, I'm just, like, I, I'm a little mind-boggled at it happening at all. Like, I think it's really cool that it is. Yeah. Um, But the CWHL still hasn't, like, put out an official statement about the Vanke Rays. Or I don't even know how to say it. V-A-N-K-E. Rays. Which is the second Chinese team. Because the second Chinese team was kind of just sprung on everybody. But, I mean, it's definitely happening. They drafted mm-hmm. people at the CWHL draft. Like, oh they're gosh. they're happening, but there's no, like, official I'm, statement or anything like that. And I'm curious as to how this is going to work. Are they going to fly over to China to play games? Yeah. So, like, every... On what time? On the Chinese governments, basically. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Um, so, yeah, the whole thing is being funded by a couple of businessmen 
who are in conjunction trying to grow the game with the Chinese government. And eager to prove that the Chinese can do just as well as the Americans. And the Canadians at everything. So yes, that's, yeah. that's what's happening. It's basically gymnastics all over again, speed skating all over again, everything the Chinese government gets their hands on sports-wise, all, all over, over again. All but, I mean, I'm not, like, against that. Like, I'm pro more women's hockey, more competitive women's hockey. This seems like actually a really great way to do it mm-hmm. um, from that perspective. Uh, but I still have a lot of reservations about how that a lot of the American and Canadian players who are going over to China are being paid salaries for being ambassadors to the sport. Oh, what? Yeah. But they wouldn't be being paid if they weren't affiliated with the CWHL. But the CWHL hasn't yet announced compensation for anybody else. Mm. And the, even though they say that players are going to get compensated this year, but we still don't know what the heck that means. And so, like, th- there's some shady stuff with it as well. Yeah. And so, like, that's the part that doesn't, I really bothers me. But at the same time, I am excited to see hockey in goddamn China. Yeah, I mean... Really cool. That's going to be really cool. So. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, as with all things, we shall see how it goes. Mm Mm-hmm. But it will be interesting, for sure. To say the least. I'm organizing this also what's behind my desk while I'm talking to you. Well, it's your turn to read a question, so... Let me sit down and read it. Um, Daisy asks, What do you think about everything happening with the NWHL and CWHL this this off-season? Expansion, parity questions, league jumping, front office restructuring, Brownie unretiring, national teams prepping for the Olympics. Um, well, it just kind of gave my CWHL thoughts about it. You sure did. Um, but from an NWHL perspective, I am, I do also have some curiosities, you know, questions that haven't been answered so much. So, with the salary cuts they made last year, I know they're still paying players, but we're not being told what their players are getting anymore, Uh which was something they did right off the bat. Um, so it leads me to believe they're not getting very much. Um... I do think, actually, the whole Olympic thing is going to make parity better, because in both the CWHL and the NWHL, the Olympians gathered on fairly, pretty much one team, and for the C-Dub, that was the Inferno, because Calgary is where the Canadian Olympic team trains, Uh and for the NWHL, that was obviously Boston, and Boston is where the Olympic team trains, and, um... So, I think parity is actually going to improve in both leagues. Um, good. And, but the league jumping is really interesting. So, po- most of the league jumping that happened from, from the NWHL to the CWHL happened because of China. So, there were some women who played in the N and basically, like, um... Emily Janiga, I think her name, I don't know how you pronounce it. She played on the Buttes last year. She was a rookie. Well, we all know how good you are at pronouncing names. Right. Don't ever trust me to pronounce a name. Uh, she is playing for one of the Chinese teams. Um, 
Kelly Stack is playing for one of the Chinese teams. So there's some pretty big names who moved from the NWHL to play for the Chinese teams. And they're getting for real salaries. Like, real, like, good salaries. Living, Mm -hmm. more than living wage. Like, you can save some money on that salary type thing. Wow. um, To play for the Chinese teams. But, um, again, we don't know if anybody else in the CWHL is getting paid like that. Or paid at all. And you, what we are seeing now is that you're seeing some of the players who are really good, valuable players for CWHL teams now signing with the NWHL teams. So um, Sarah Edney, had, who was a defender for Brampton, uh, signed with the Buffalo Buttes a couple days ago. She got a little bit overshadowed by some of her teammates last season, but she's still a very, very high-quality defender. And with um, both Megan Bozek and Emily Falter heading to the Olympics, the Buttes defense needed somebody who was high caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big one is that today, Jess <laughs> Jones, who tied the CWHL scoring leader, a name you may be familiar with, Marie-Philippe Poulin. I have heard of her. Yeah, she tied Marie-Philippe Poulin in points last season. Mm. Like, for number one in the league. That's pretty impressive. She signed with the Buttes today. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, that's a huge coup for Buffalo yeah. and a huge yeah. loss for the CWHL because Jess Jones was going to be, like, one of the stars in the league last next season with no Olympians. Yeah, I can see how that would not go over well. So, like, there's definitely some stuff going on and, um, anyway, it's just kind of interesting to see what's going on there. It's kind of been one of the more fun stories of the offseason is watching what's going on with the two women's teams. But, uh, Brownie unretiring, all credit to him. Um, the big, so the, the thing about the NWHL transgender policy was that because most of the hormones that you take to transition are considered performance-enhancing drugs... You couldn't transition and still play. Mm-hmm. And Brownie had put off transitioning last season, but had planned on doing it in the off season. But then because of the Trump administration, basically, uh, he was like, we need more transgender athletes. We need some outspoken role models. You know, I really want to be a, a public figure for these kids who need these kinds of role models. So... You know, again, he all credit to him. It was totally his decision. Um, and, you know, I applaud him, like, for really stepping up at a time when, you know, that kind of leadership is needed. So I think... Oh, for sure. But him going to the Riveters is a big deal, too. So, you Where know... Was he last year? He was a butte. He was one of the inaugural buttes. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, kind of a big deal there, too. So going to be a really interesting season, I think, for both leagues. Yeah. Sounds like it. I mean, especially if we're talking about a freaking Chinese expansion. Right? There's no way this is not going to be an interesting year for the CWHL, at least. Yeah. Nah. True. True, true. Do you want to ask the last women's hockey question? I can ask there's so much women's hockey on this podcast. Well, there's nothing else happening. No, it's true. I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying. 
Um, you watched it a lot more than I did because I barely had time to devote myself to the NHL this past year. Yeah. Um, what do you think about everything happening with the NWHL and the CWHL this offseason? No, I just asked that question. Uh, Anna Shea asks, predictions for the NWHL and CWHL seasons. Who is looking best for a championship run? Um, predictions... Um, the Connecticut Whaler... As we all know, it's Carolyn's favorite part of anything. <laughs> Connecticut Whaler are going to be the worst team in the end. Um, I feel kind of bad Poor for saying... Connecticut Whale. I know. They just, they just, they had a bad off season. They did not get anybody to sign proper, like, it was not good. And they lost Kelly Stack. <sighs> anyway. Um, so, in the worst team in the CWHL... I'm calling the Markham Thunder, because they moved, going to be, and they lost Jess Jones. So those guys are going to be the worst team in the CWHL. Um, I think, well, I mean, okay, of the Canadian teams. I have a bad feeling of for, you know, I'm sorry, Chinese teams, uh, I wish you the best. I just don't think you're going to be very good. Um, I think best teams in, I'm going to go bold with the addition of Jess Jones. I say the Buffalo Buttes for a repeat. Wow. Um, they kept Corinne Bowie, who was a huge scoring threat for them last season, um, they added some really good talent as far as, they, you know, they added a bunch of depth. Um, they've got a really fantastic goaltender in Amanda uh, LeVay. Um, and they've got a good backup in Kelsey Newman. I say Buttes for the NWHL. All right, then. Um, that said, Boston still looks really dangerous. So if anybody upsets them, right, it's going to be Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, the CWHL is a lot harder, um, but I'm going to put my money on Montreal. I feel like even though they don't have Poulin and some of the other players, they'll still have Anne-Sophie Bate and yeah, I feel like, I feel good about Montreal. Cool. Somebody in Montreal has to win a championship. And it's not going to be the Habs. <laughs> exactly. F the Habs. So one last question. I saved the best for last. Andrew okay. L.A. asked two questions, and this is his second. What kind of baked good are Alexander Radulov and Yulius Honka? The old list needs updating with new members. Alexander Radulov, Alexander Radulov, jeez. Um, I feel like he is something, I'm going to say a savory baked good. Is he like a something... cheese stick? Ooh, sure, that could be, that could be it. I was thinking something like, something like with a spicy meat. Oh, like a kolache? Yeah, ooh, yeah, that would work. 
Yuli Tanaka, though. I mean, like, please, if you can think of one, tell me the name of a baked good that wants to kill you. Um. There's a lot. I mean, I feel like donuts are pretty much like your basic heart attack. Like but maybe they don't look menacing. Uh, jelly filled. Oh. You know what? He he is he is. This is what he is. He is the powdered raspberry filled jelly donut. That's what he is. And I say powdered because they are difficult to eat, and they also look like they want to kill you. I feel like that's an excellent choice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is there anybody else we need to add to that? As far as new people are concerned? Uh, did we ever do much for Dan Hamhuis? I don't think we ever did. Because if we didn't, then he is clearly a stromboli with ham and cheese. <laughs> well, I don't even care if we did. He's totally a stromboli with ham and cheese. <laughs> I mean, done and done, right? Done and done. <laughs> I think we did most everybody else. Well, we know I went for Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop is a cheese stick, because he's tall. Oh my god. He's not a cheese stick. He's like an entire cheese... No! He's one of those French loaves that's always sticking out of the back of, like, grocery bags. To- he's a baguette! Yeah, he's a baguette! <laughs> Marie! The baguettes! Marie, the bishops! <laughs> oh my god, what an excellent reference. <laughs> I do my best. Do my best. Alright, Maddie's telling us that we need to wrap it up. God, yeah, it's almost 10 o'clock. Alright, well, I'm Carolyn. You can find me on Twitter at Classlicity. I'm Mary. You can find me on Twitter at Marinish. You can find our official Twitter at Depart Hockey, and you can find you can email us if you have a longer question, comment, or anything else at DeepHeartHockey at gmail.com. You can find our Tumblr at uh, DeepHeartHockey.tumblr.com and our official blog at DeepHeartHockey.wordpress.com. <coughs> Bye. Holy shit! Are you dying? <laughs> no, I'm okay. Oh my god, go get some water. <laughs> Bye! Bye! <laughs>